Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Fire for them, fire for them. If you're looking for that 35 bag umbrella and all damn thing there, keep it locked with this Unomics podcast. podcast, 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 podcast. Hello, welcome back to another episode of This Notes Podcast. This week, I'm joined by a very special guest. Would you like to introduce yourself, um, fine gentleman? Um, Matthew Bridgman. Um, yeah, I guess there's no point explaining what I do because I guess that's what we're going to talk about on the pod. Um, mostly events, but yeah, man, how are you? How are you keeping? I'm all right. Hey, Viva's trying to trying to have me on the ropes, bro. Like, I was even telling Matthew, I was, I was even thinking I'll push that back. Cause, like, the way I was sneezing every two seconds was mad. Um, bro, you're killing me, man. I'm, I'm an organized creature. I had structure to my day. Yeah, I like, like that as well. Back. Yeah. Push it back. Yeah, that's all good. No, hay fever is a mad one. I used to get crazy. Like, I remember when I was younger, I used to run to the pharmacy and be like, give me everything you've got. <laughs> like, nasal spray, eye drops. I've, I've gotten to the point where I could, I put the eye drops in my eye. Like, I don't squeeze them into my eye. I stick the bottle <laughs> into my eye and just squeeze. Yeah. Like, there's no sensitivity anymore. And I don't even wear contacts. Mm. Literally just from hay fever, but it's mad, man. No, yeah, trust me. I'm, as soon as this pod's done, I'm going to run straight to the pharmacist and get me the nasal spray. I'm just going to just put all, every litre into my nose, bruv. I, I can't deal with this. But um, That's mad. Well, we'll, t- we'll talk uh, it before. I was going to say, my... Um, oh, go on. Yeah, we'll talk, we'll talk before, but you said... Um, like you feel like hay fever impacted your life massively it's, it's funny because obviously you just mentioned it but um yeah my life would have been very different if i didn't have hay fever because when i came out of university um i applied for the air force so when, when i was younger i'd always wanted to be a pilot i remember going on holiday and going up to the cabin and meeting the pilot and wearing, wearing my little pilot costumes and the hat and all that kind of stuff mm. and it was genuinely something that's always interested me and when I when I finished university, I applied for the Royal Air Force in the hopes of becoming a fighter jet pilot. Mm. And I kind of went through all the preliminary stuff, and then I had my health uh, health check or whatever. And then I put on the form because they can't test you for hay fever. Yeah, but they ask you, and I put, yeah, I got hay fever. Like there's a there's a box the question, so I ticked it. They're like, oh, unfortunately, we you can't be a pilot. You can't be a fighter jet pilot if you have hay fever. I was like, what? And then it's only like right now when you're dealing with it and suffering, you can't be flying at 200, 400 miles an hour and and sneeze like that when you're on a mission. Yes, you know what I mean? It's true. It's true. It will, it will throw off the whole thing. So I never really deeped it like that. But literally that changed. Like, I don't know. I don't know if I would have gone through with it, but I definitely had every intention of it. Mm. And um, 
yeah, it's, it's it's mad to think that. Like now, obviously, I have no no kind of Air Force experience or anything mm. like that, but it's definitely a, a, a avenue that I would have gone into. Right, that's mad. Air fire, fire, um, fire pilot. I never would have. Do you know the certain that you don't even consider? Like that's a full on career. Like very raw. I can't even imagine that. I can't. Yeah. I, um, I got I had for a present. I think it was two years ago. Someone bought me a flying lesson, though, and it was my first time flying a plane by myself, which was just you know, on your first lesson, you fly the plane like it's you wouldn't think this because even like driving a car, your first like I remember my first ever driving lesson with my uncle, and I felt like I barely did anything on day one. Mm. You, they, I attempted to land a plane in with I think it's an hour, I think it's an hour or two hours. What the first time, bro. It's, I'm not even joking with you. The funny thing is, it's not that hard to fly a plane. The only difference is there's two axes or axes. Yeah. So with a car, you go left, right. Yeah. But with with a plane, you pull towards you and push away from you, and that that does the vertical as well. So the steering wheel, that they don't really have this in arcades, but when when you do all these things, but yeah. with when you're flying a plane, you're actually pulling the steering wheel towards you. So it's like it's. It's like on a pole. So you can pull it towards your chest or push away. Kind of like a chest press. You okay. can do that with a steering wheel. And that changes whether you go higher or lower. And you need to kind of maintain that to keep in um, line with the horizon is a good way to kind of to measure. Um, That's something I'm actually going to try to do. do. That actually sounds mad fun. I can't even lie. No, it was. It was, it was incredible. I mean, it's nerve wracking. Yeah, because like, you're the plane, fam. Yeah. You could, yo, you can kill you. Yeah. You can, uh, it's mad. But it, it was an experience, definitely. Okay. Um, it's, it's annoying like, I would have looked into continuing it but there's there's so many different levels to it a friend of mine's actually a, um, a pilot and he's done it he's gone down that route like private private learning but normally you only learn in one plane so you pick a type of a model okay. and you do all your flying in that model because obviously it's, it's easier because you're, you're familiar with the plane um, and then you get to like a certain level but then you, you can only really use it for private and personal use you can't you can't like go to an airline and be like, "Yo, oh yeah, okay, yeah, 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 okay, yeah." And, but, and even with that, most uh, pilots will only fly a certain type of plane. So if some, I don't, I don't know planes like you know, like Keith, he mm. knows about planes, but mm. I don't know them all. But like the different names, but I know a seven four seven. A certain pilot will, will like to only fly seven four sevens. They won't be like, "Oh, I'm flying a seven four seven today, but then this tomorrow." Okay, so they specialize yeah. in a, in a particular model of yes, planes. Yes. So what happens sometimes, I think Keith mentioned this on um, to me one time, was that when they recall planes, it can ruin like pilots' careers. Oh, yeah. Enough, enough. yeah. And, and it's not even a cheap investment to make in terms of learning how no, to... No, of course not. You're yeah. spending you'd, thousands. You'd have, to, you'd have to get um, expertise in a different plane. Allow you'd it. Have to put, in, put in all the hours again. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. So... Um, we're going to get into what you do for a living. So for those who listened to our podcast a few weeks ago, they should have some, or if they've got decent memory, they're going to know particularly what you what you do for a living. So for those that don't, what do you do for a living? Like what's your, what, what brings home the bacon for you? Ooh, I miss it. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't had any for ages. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I do events. I primarily do events or I work in a, like, the field of events and entertainment because even like most of my other businesses or like side hustles if you will mm. um, are also events related so primarily i organize um events 
Um, but then I also like manage a band. Um, oh, sick. And, and yeah, yeah, and um, and I manage a venue by booking in all the events at the venue. So I mean, that's why it's it's like it still kind of relates to it. Um, and then we'll, we'll probably go on to it later. But then there's obviously my, my latest venture, um, which I'm really excited about. But um, yeah, so what I was going to say is I don't want to talk too much about events solely because Taze has taken all my stories, man. <laughs> Taze has taken all my stories. He was on the pod, what was it, uh, two episodes, two, three episodes? Yeah, ago? Taze was a story merchant, man. Bro, and I was like, oh, that was a good one. I remember that time. <laughs> so yeah, for those that don't know, I'm Taser Black's business partner. We've been running Faded for over eight years. We've been doing events together for over a decade. We've been doing events for over a decade and, and pretty much um, together because we actually met around the age of 16 um, as we both had clothing lines. Okay. Yeah, so I think I started my first ever business, which was a clothing line at 15 called Corporate Clothing. And um, it was basically me just making clothes for the mandem, mm. like printing printing their tag names on T-shirts. And I learned how to do vinyl printing and, and did that like from home and started making all my own little designs and word catchphrases and stuff like that. And luckily, I had landed a job at um, a shop called Global Sports in Shepherd's Bush Market. Okay. Don't know if you knew about it, but it used to be like the place to get new era hats. It used like I used to make, well, to be fair, I, I got bumped dramatically <laughs> but i used to make like five times my my wages in commission just from selling snapbacks um not not snapbacks um fitted caps when i worked there wait like that's that's how busy the place was damn yeah crazy but um and luckily because i worked there, i was able to get my clothing in there and it kind of it was never big but i mean for a 15 16 year old kid it was it was yeah a nice little like a nice little bit of change. And um, Taser also ran a brand called Forties mm. and um, some kind of olders in our area, funnily enough, that used to organize events, um, wanted to create uh, a T-shirt for their upcoming event, which was like, I think it was called I'm an 80s baby or I'm a 90s baby. I can't remember which one. I think it was mm. a, one of those. I'm an 80s baby, I'm a 90s baby. I think it was both. Like they, they decided to make both because they knew the crowd would cross over. And um, they basically enlisted myself and Taser to come together to help put it together and that's that's how we first met so we've always kind of been cool since then but then around about the age of 18 19 we got cool again by going out just going out seeing each other out and mm. about being like yo what's good whatever and as you know this guy knows everyone same like he even said the story there's no point me repeating it mm. but we went out to a party together and we walked into yo-yos and we knew about between us we knew 80 90 percent of the dots and we're just like why don't we do this and yeah i'm just i'm repeating the story again mm. like i said but He's, he's just telling the truth. Um, and, and that's 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 what I'm mostly known for. There's more, but I'm, I feel like I've been talking for a minute, no. so I'll let you interject. No, I was going to say, um, so obviously you and Taze are business partners. Obviously, naturally, yeah. with business partners, um, some people have their strengths, some people have their weaknesses. So what would you say is like what um, what your strength is in your, in your, um, in your duopoly? I am the most organised person I've ever met. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard the stories, but mm. some people say it's like OCD or whatever, but mm. I am, even when I was joking about like pushing back the time, I'm an incredibly scheduled and like meticulous person. So when it comes to actually organizing an event in terms of like the logistics and understanding and the staffing and mm. the timings of things and worrying about this and that, that kind of stuff just comes naturally to me. So um, I feel like in terms of admin, I definitely take the forefront in in that side of things. Okay. And what would you say Taser's yeah. um, strong point is? Uh, being a charismatic individual, like for, largely 
it's the promotional side of stuff. Not mm. just that, like I said, I I know a ton of people as well, and we're both quite gifted in, in promotion and marketing mm. and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, just just fusing ideas together. Um, kind of, I feel like we we work really well as a team. Like we've never fallen out ever, literally in ten years, never had a. Fallen That's out, crazy. Ever. That it's crazy. You, you've been like it's not just it's friendship, money. Do you know what I mean? Um, clash of ideas potentially, and you've never fallen out. Nope, not at all. That's so. Uh, we, we we see eye to eye on so many things, but I feel like because because we know each other so well. I mean, to put it into context, I I there must have been a day or two, but there probably hasn't been more than twenty days in ten years. I haven't spoken to Taser every single day. That's mad. Same same goes with my cousin Axel. I don't know mm. if you know Axel, um, Axel Blake, the comedian. Yeah, yeah. Same thing with him. Yeah. I, I talk to Axel and Taser pretty much every single day and have done for at least a decade. Um, because both of them were like there when I started my journey. Axel started um in comedy at the same time I started in events, and Taser and I both started in events around about the same time. And we all kind of when same same as Mo the comedian and mm-hmm. a few other people, we were all in we were all in the same group, K Curd. Um mm-hmm. There was, there's a few other than even George the Poet and that there's a few people that kind of were all bubbling. There's tons. The list is actually really long and it's amazing to see. And some people have gone a corporate route and work at labels and mm. started PR companies and stuff. But there's so many people that were all like coming up, just young, hungry kids that now it's like 10 years later and we're all doing our own things in different areas of the world. And um, it's dope to see, man. It's really dope to see. Yeah, yeah for real. So um, you said um, you're very um, meticulous and very organised. So from people listening, um, explain why that's so important for like a business. So for, for example, we're recording today. This is Saturday, the 20 something. I can't remember what day it is, but it's the Black... Today yeah. is Black Pound Day. Yeah, Black Pound today Day. Today is Black Pound Day. Yeah, today is Black yeah. Pound Day. So everybody's like, yo, Black businesses, this, that, and a third. So... Uh, that's one of the reasons why I was like, yeah, oh shit, it'll be sick to do it with you this week, yeah. So yeah, obviously, we'll get into that. Yeah, somebody else says, what would you say some of the, the key the key foundations of having a good, because I think a lot of good business practice and just habits are transferable to about what industry, whether you're selling, 100%. whether you're selling do-rags, you're baking cakes, or you're um, providing a service. I feel like there's certain levels, I mean, certain expectations of business practices. So what would you say some of the key things that you have kind of learned on the way or came natural to you but so, you've realised that so okay go on I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of give a two part answer on that. the first one's real quick and simple is in terms of organising the event I always stress to people that if, if you were the organiser if your job is to organise an event right it should be done to the level that by the time the event takes place everything is sorted so everyone talks about like you you definitely you organise events mm. so you know how stressful the event can be on the day yeah can be right because things go wrong and, and that's a fact of business that's a fact of life things will go wrong it will happen right so i try and get it to the point where when i'm there present at an event my only job is to deal with the things that go wrong anything i should be doing or should need to be done should already be done yeah. because i should know those things needed to be done if that kind of makes sense if i if i knew that um the DJ needed the DJ booth needed to be moved or set up or for instance we needed X amount of chairs laid out in a certain mm. uh direction or that the DJ would want their, their rider. I can all those things I can sort out beforehand. Or um that the door girls need to be in set up in this location or that there needs to be a certain amount of float for them to give change. Like well I've gotten to the point where I'm kind of lazy now, but our price 
prices are always like ten pound, fifteen pound, twenty pound, just because change is a madness. Yeah, it is. Oh, I truth. remember I've, I've done I've done big events for thousands of people. Do you know what it's like trying to charge twelve pounds to a thousand people and yeah. having to get like. Yeah. Two bags worth of coins. Yeah, allow going it. Going to the going to the bank. You got you got to take out two bags. Go to the go to the bank. Get it all counted out in bags. Take it. Get a money box. Sort that all out. And then you got to count it at the end to make sure it all adds up and tallies. And mm. there are so many different aspects in in terms of that. But I always stress to people that if an event is organized well, it shouldn't be manic on the day. It shouldn't be. It, 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 there's if you've done it enough, most of the things that can come up, you you would have considered them in advance, even if it's down to people queuing up and how people queue. If there's a queue for people for tickets, if there's a queue for people without tickets that are paying on the door, if there's a guest this queue, how do the DJs get in if there's a thousand people outside and they're running 10 minutes and they can't get to the front? All mm. these kind of things, that there, there are things you can put in place to kind of deal with them. But on, on a general scope, and this is just like a general answer, in terms of business, and especially with business in, in this field, in the creative field, I think people forget that just because you work in events or you're a content creator or you make a podcast or um, you sell clothes or whatever, it's still a business. Mm. You still have accounting. You still might need staff. You still need to pay people. You still need to keep receipts. You still need to... Um, maybe build a website, update your website, uh, update your social media, all these kind of things, if, if you're running it properly, you need to be taken into consideration and you need to schedule for them. You need to set timelines. You need to have processes. You need to have some, do you know what I mean? So that's where that organization fits in. So like, I love spreadsheets. I make spreadsheets for everything. Like yeah, so up to date on what's, what's been done, what needs to be done, what I'm doing next, when it needs to be done by all these different elements and I think and, it, and it's amazing that I'm on this this particular podcast because I'd love to get into like understanding that as a business there you need to do accounting you need to look after so you need to see if you're if you're um, using the most tax efficient method of running your company are you a sole trader are you a limited company are you paying VAT should you be paying VAT mm. what do you want to do if you don't want to have to pay VAT what what happens if you're on a flat rate scheme? What is a flat rate scheme? Do you, do you know all these different things? What do you need to do if you want to buy a house suit? Do you, is it better to declare sole trader salary or is it better to pay yourself a salary? Do you get another job so that you can just turn up with your pay slips and say, here's three months pay slips, give me a mortgage? Mm. All these kind of things come into play and I don't think a lot of people are even aware of them, let alone consider. Yeah, I think, I think naturally uh, we just look at the products or service we're offering and think if we are, have, are offering a very good product slash service, everything will just get money and then everything will take care of itself. Yeah, everything will fit into place. Yeah, yeah but like, isn't, yeah, but it doesn't really work like that. You might get like the revenue, you might get like loads of good revenue, but all the other stuff that you've mentioned will start to become roadblocks, and you realize that their importance when it's too late, when something has gone wrong, for example. 100%. Me and, me and Taser, here's one story that I don't think he shared actually, mm. which um, I, I didn't even think about. But um, our biggest L to date was VAT. So, I mean, everyone knows about VAT, but I never really knew how business perspective. Mm. And we were just kind of running along, doing our thing, doing events, being like, Rah! and we, we had this fit, we had this stage where 
every event had to be bigger than the last. Mm. So we did a party for 200 people. Next time it was 300, then it was 400, then it was 500, then it was 750, then it was 800, then it was 1,000, to the point where we were doing like selling out Ministry of Sound and Coronet for like mm. 2,000 people, right? And, and very quickly, like I think Taser mentioned, our one-year anniversary was at Ministry of Sound. We're mm. eight years in now. We've done Coronet two or three times, Ministry two or three times and whatever. We've scaled down now. We mm. focus on doing... I mean, we still did, I think we did like over a thousand for New Year's Eve at the curtain and stuff. Mm. We still have one-off big pies. But what happened was we were like, oh shit, yeah, we're making money. Oh, this is dope. Oh, amazing. But we weren't keeping track of it. Mm. We weren't We weren't really looking at it. So when we were like, basically, I am um, bringing up Axel again. Axel got me into uh, property. He got me into, got, got my mindset into property, into focusing on putting myself in a position to be able to buy a house. Mm. And ha- having been self-employed, I kind of learned and realized that um, I, I, it would be best if I paid myself a salary, a consistent salary that I could then show I earn X amount of money. Because when you earn events, sometimes you make a grand, sometimes you make a few hundred, sometimes you make five grand. It's all up and down. Mm. It's very inconsistent. Unless your event is like every single month and it's the same size and you sell out every single time, your, your profit margins and your revenue streams are never going to be the same. Sometimes, like around um, Carnival, we'll have seven events in four days yeah do you know what i mean so your your august month might spurt or even december around christmas time and new year's eve we had two different new year's eve parties at the same time last year and i think the most we've ever had is four different parties on new year's eve at the same time so that january paycheck is going to look like a massive spike mm. um i mean we come back around to my point so we were earning 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 and then we sat down we decided to get new accountants and we sat down with them and they said Oh, okay. Uh, do you guys realize that you've been eligible to pay VAT for the last year? We're like, no, what's that? Well, how does that work? Is that we have to pay VAT? I thought we just pay VAT when we buy stuff. They're like, no, you, you have to pay VAT for your earnings. And I was like, they're like, yeah, after you earn, I think this was a few years ago, so I think it was like after 75,000 pounds of revenue. And I think a lot of people don't distinguish between revenue and profit. So when companies talk about they earn a million or whatever, their cost might be eight hundred thousand. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> their profit's only two hundred bags. So yeah. even though even though you might look at a number like seventy five k, that that's not your profit. That's how much you're earning. Mm. So we had earned X amount of money and had been earning over that amount for a while, which we didn't realize meant that we had owed, in essence, twenty percent of our revenue. Yep to the tax man as VAT on top of corporation tax <laughs> and on top of PAYE or dividend tax mm. or any of the other taxes that you have to pay as a company, right? Um, and we're like, oh, okay, so what does that mean? And they were like, well, you owe like, I think it was something like 40, 40 bags. Jesus. VAT. It was, it was a lot of money. It was a lot of money. <laughs> so we had to negotiate uh, with HMRC that just, this was the first time we'd ever hit the VAT threshold. We weren't aware. we We'd exceeded it for over a year and we had to uh, negotiate a, a payment plan to pay off our VAT, right? And it basically meant me and Taser couldn't pay ourselves for eight months. So we, were, we were running faded as a profitable, like we were smacked. Like imagine you get 600 people sold out event. Mm. Like, yo, you get none of it. None of all of that's going back to the tax man. I said, what got mad was not only were we paying back our old VAT, we were, racking new up new v- VAT. we were racking up new VAT <laughs> on the money we were trying to make to pay back the old VAT. Bruv, oh, that is the biggest L I've ever. Like, I, ha- I have another business um, 
where I organize live music events. I have mm. been doing it for the last five years. It's a tribute. Night. I feel like I'm just talking away here, man. No, no, that's, the, that's, that's um, the purpose. That's the purpose, fam. Okay, okay. It's a tribute night brand. So I um, I was motivated to um, to organize a, a night of Amy Winehouse's music. I've just oh. always been a fan. My, my, my taste in music is very eclectic and I've always been a massive Amy Winehouse fan and I had a passion to one day organize like a, a tribute to Amy Winehouse. Yeah. And uh, it just took me forever to find someone that could sing like her. Like I, I, I tried maybe, I had the idea for about a year and a half and I kept asking around or looking and going on. I used to like, um, obviously this is back in the day now, but back when, well not back when, but like SBTV, the, mm. the, the sessions they used to have or like reload sessions or mahogany sessions, all these kind of YouTube channels. I had all these different singers. I'd be watching them waiting to get one that I could just hear a hint at Amy in, in their voice. Mm. And, um, I asked a friend of mine, um, if she knew anyone, she said, yeah, I do actually. And she recommended me to the girl and, um, I kind of provisionally booked it in, but on the basis that I would, um, cover their first rehearsal. And if it did, if I wasn't happy, then that would be it. But if it if it did work, then we'd proceed with the show because I wanted to make sure that she sounded like it. And I remember going to that rehearsal and just being starstruck. I just being like, wow. Like I remember it's on, it's on my Facebook. It comes up every year. It's like three years ago. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like the video of that first rehearsal. And this, this girl can sing, man. She's called Lucy Randall. Mm-hmm. And she's she's an amazing vocalist. And I organized this the night of Amy's show. And it sold out like, immediately. Like just that, no, pro, there's no existing media. This was a new concept. It's just the name. And that of Amy had sold out. And um, it was so, it was just, it was mad. So then another venue hit us up. Well, X or Y hit us up and were like, can we do another date? Can we do another date of it? Seeing as it sold out. And I was like, yeah, cool, sure. And then that sold out. And then Lucy went to me, uh, if you're thinking of building on this, I know someone that can sing that Marvin Gaye. So then I did a night of Marvin Gaye, sold out. I was like, wait mad. I think I'm onto something here. Yeah. So then I did a night at D'Angelo, a night at Luther Vandross, a night at Whitney Houston, a night at Stevie Wonder, a night of our... So then, and this is where it got interesting. So remember I said I asked someone if they knew someone that could sing like Amy? Yeah. The person I asked is the girl that I have managed the band with. Okay. So, yeah. So again, ugh, this, this always happens. My story's like, they link, they link, they link. I'm going to try and bring it back. Um before well not even before events but like in my early days of events literally just as i started faded i got into management just after we started faded one of the djs kept on asking to talk to me and i honestly thought they were just um called, she's called siobhan bell she's a massive dj now she um she, i thought she, i don't even know if she knows this um i thought she was hounding me for more money right <laughs> Um, cause we, I mean, we just started very, we didn't have a big budget and I was like, am I paying them enough? Like, what'd you get them saying, Matt, can I talk to you about something? I want to, I was like, shit, she wants more money. She wants more money. <laughs> and then to take, Taser was like, bro, Siobhan is trying to talk to you, bro. I finally had the conversation. I was like, it's going to be awkward. And she was like, I want you to manage me. And I was like, oh, wow. Really? Oh, <laughs> that's a relief. Okay. Didn't, yeah. I didn't see that coming. And I was like, rah. And I was like, but I don't want to just jump into something that I don't understand. I was like, if I'm going to get into management, I need to kind of understand it better and I think before that time I'd, I'd worked with a guy called um, Marvin Harrison I don't know if you know that is he's now he's best known now as the founder of Dope Black Dads and the Dope okay, Black so you've got Dope Black Dads Dope Black uh, Mums Dope mm. Black there's there's tons of them Dope Black Men Dope Black Women it's an amazing platform but he's actually the person that 
got me into events. He ran an event called Sunday Show, legendary. Oh, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Uh, Ed Sheeran, Modi Comedian, Axel Blake, so many people that came through from Sunday Show. And I helped run that for two years. And this is where me and Taser's bond, when I said we used to go out and see each other, it was that Sunday Show. Mm. This is where our bond kind of came from. And I'd worked with him because he, he had gotten himself as a manager in the funky scene. So like Tribal Man, K, Dot Star. Mm. I don't know if you remember them. Yeah, of course. Yeah, come on. Yeah. The so golden worked era. In their management. Yeah, so I had kind of worked with him on that. And I remember like I did a project with Akala and all this kind of stuff. But this was all like me shadowing Marvin. And mm. it would never been me at the forefront. So I had a, I could tell. Oh, and, and Mo. We used to manage mm. Mo the Comedian at one point in time as well. Um, but yeah, I... Um, I'd gotten a taste of, of, of it, but I didn't really feel like I understood it. And it was, it was, if I'm honest, back then, it was more about getting bookings. Mm. It wasn't a manager. That was a booking agent because they're two different things. And um, around that time that uh, Siobhan had asked me to manage her, um, the only manager that I kind of knew of was a guy called Zion Richards. And he, um, he was Retch's manager, Retch V2's manager, because mm. I had booked Retch V2 for another one of my events. Um, so I, I run events at university when I was there as well. So there's so many, I'm not going to talk about all of them. I'm just going to talk about the existing ones. So I'd, I'd booked reps to do like a massive party um, at Brunel University for like a thousand plus people. Okay. Sick and I'd, I'd worked with Zion on that. And then I'd also worked with him on um, a girl called Kyra, who is the girl I'm talking about that I run the band with, but this is how I met her. So I booked her for one of my other events, another one. I'd, I've done so many. Mm. Um, and she, he's the only person that I knew that was kind of like a, a manager that I'd spoken to. So I kind of said to him, can I, can I get five minutes of your time? Um, and that kind of grew to the point that I started working with uh, Zion. Mm. I helped him manage Retri to Kyra, George the Poet, and yeah. Jacob Banks. Um, and like, we, it was amazing because Retch was signed but there was, um, we signed George the Poet, Jacob Banks, and a producer called Knox Brown to major labels within two days. So on a Wednesday, mm. Jacob Banks and Knox Brown, uh, Jacob signed to Atlantic, Knox Brown signed to Virgin, and on Friday, in the same week, George the Poet signed to Island Records. Yeah. So that was like an amazing period of, of, of time or whatever. So trying to bring it back around again. But um that that was the only kind of I decided to work with him to build up my knowledge of of, of management so that I could work with Siobhan. So yeah, to bring it back around, um, my relationship with Kyra had uh, from the from the initial management had spurred a conversation about creating a sh like an experience that was based on um, something she used to do in her set. She used to do medleys of like old R&B songs. So it'd be like, she'd jump from Aaliyah into Lauren Hill into Mary J. Blige during her set as a little warm-up, like um, mm. uh, covers. So I said, that sounds so sick. We should build an entire show around it. And we did. We called it Vibe and we, um, we built this entire show together. And I was like, we're going to launch it as a night and we're going to, the aim will be to try and like get bookings as a band, right? As like a function band. And we organized our first show, and this was like a proper passion project for me. And I mean, I was I was well into events by this stage, yeah. and I was like proper hounding everyone. Like Faded was successful at this time. My, my other brand, Cozy, was really successful at this time. And I, it was just so hard to kind of get it off the ground. I like, people came out, but only because I'd like begged them to do so. Mm. By the second show, the numbers were a little bit lower. But I had this a night of Amy brand, right? Oh, this a night of brand. 
and I'd done like the Amy, the Marvin Gaye, the D'Angelo, I think by this point in time. And then I thought, do you know what? Instead of calling this vibe, I'm going to sell the next one as a night of R&B. Mm. Sold out immediately. Because oh, like, okay. of, of the strength of the other brand. Just, not, just off the branding. I don't even think the strength of the other brand because this is within like a six month period. Mm. Like it's, it wasn't like, we, I don't think we had an Instagram, let alone a, like, do you know what I mean? Mm. These were just nights. Saying that, they were at the Roof Gardens in Kensington, which was like a really premier um, private members club owned by Richard Branson. It doesn't exist anymore. It was like a rooftop venue and oh, it was like a canopy. It was amazing, yeah. But um, it sold out. And I was like, wow, okay. So I was like, okay, I'm really onto something here. And then um, at this point in time, the company that had owned XO Wild had just bought the Jazz Cafe in Camden, you know, the, the famous Jazz Cafe. Yeah. And they said, we're building up our new schedule for the Jazz Cafe. Would you be interested in taking your night off series and doing a monthly show here? And I was like, ooh. Uh, uh, no, no, a bi-monthly show here every, every two months. Because they just wanted me to do a night of Amy every two months and I was like I can't do that it will get too saturated I need to do other shows yeah. so that's why I was like okay I can do a night of Amy then I could do a night of Marvin Gaye and then a night of r and I, I think they were probably the only ones I had maybe a night of D'Angelo and then um, I had to build the roster and that's why I built a night of Neil Soul a night of Reggae a night of Whitney a night of Stevie a night of all these different ones and um, yeah it's just, it's just crazy because for me that was the that was that was a big lesson in branding understanding how I could, I had something that the, the, the product was exactly the same, but when it was called vibe, people weren't buying into it. Mm. But as soon as it was called a night of R and B, I mean, to put it into context, a night of Amy has sold, sold out over 21 shows in the last five years, just a night of Amy in, in three different cities. We've sold out Coco and Camden, which was 1500 people alone. Um, a night of R and B is sold out 15 different shows. And I like, They've, it's been ridiculous. It got to the point where I think two years ago I was doing every two weeks at the Jazz Cafe for an entire year just with the Night of Series. That's mad. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, that's 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 one of my other companies, and it's, and it's weird because that event company is like average age forty middle class white people. Mm. So you would you would never think that's my brand. Like I, I'm I, there's often times where I'm like the only black guy in the room. Um, but it's, it's an amazing company and that's why I'm like, a lot of people focus on only doing club nights, for instance, um, where they're great. And I, I'll tell you for free, I think the most profitable type of event is club nights. Mm. Um, but there are so many different things like like yourself, you've got Trending, we've mm. had Old School Sundays, we've got Bad Brunch. There's so many different event concepts like Slow Jam Karaoke with Marv. There's so many different mm. things you can do to bring people in. And I love when people kind of use that um, innovation to, to do something. Yeah, you show a lot of creativity because um, obviously if people looked at you, not to say that you're like, because you're, you're, you're a black man, most of your friends are black, they will never assume that you've been able to, to develop a successful brand, which target, which demographic is nothing like you. It's much older than you, middle class, different, different, um, different race. Like, I'm aspiring to be middle class too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, you'll be upper class, my guy. But I'm saying, but like, just like your initial demographic, like, and I think that's the importance of, of branding and kind of also, I think, backing yourself. And I think that's why I like to have people like yourself and many others on my podcast, I think it's important to show that level of visibility to people that you can do things that you think that aren't that possible because there's people that have done it. And maybe 
um, we haven't got that level of visibility, but that's what something I'm trying to do, especially with it being um, this week, uh, Black Pound Week. Like, there's yeah. so many. What's that? What's that old British saying? There's different ways to skin a cat, which I'm sure it's not very. Ah, yes, of course. I'm yeah, sure it's not yeah, very yeah. Um, politically the, the, correct. The meaning's nice, but yeah, yeah. 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 I'm not trying to uh, people try to skin cats, but yeah. Do you know I mean, there's so many different ways that you can make money or build a platform or build a brand for yourself um, as an individual. Like, you don't have to just followed what we've seen growing up like creativity and innovation and mix with some effort and and some good and good work ethic you can really build something for yourself because i didn't i didn't know that you had this um a night with brand and you're getting like oh i never knew yeah, that no it's yeah it's, it's it's been it's been a cornerstone for me in fact T- taser um i don't know, i think you know he did he said it he said that Matthew was doing stuff with his other projects. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Towards that's what he was talking about because mm. that was that's been popping. So he was like, so obviously faded is us. So that's everything shared equally. But then mm. I was kind of over there doing all the night off stuff as well. And he was like, wait a minute, what am I doing? <laughs> and then that that kind of helped spur free shots. And now I'm like, yo, yeah. <laughs> what am I doing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you get what I'm saying? Mm. I'm like, I need to catch up. Mm. So it's amazing and I love that and I love knowing that I have so many people around me that constantly inspire me and motivate me to make me want to step up and, and do the next thing and 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 I love that everyone embraces and cherishes each other like it's it's not like oh damn he's doing this and so now oh wish I did that or why couldn't I be involved it's like yo you man are doing your thing let, let me go let me go work harder yeah let me, let me wake up an extra hour earlier let me, let me go do some more research let me let me let me just think of something new what what can i do next what's my next thing what's do you know what i mean and i love that and i feel like that's especially when you have that within your friendship because for me like it's a it's a really important part for me that the people around me are also successful because i want them to still be around me later in life mm. i want to be able to if someone's if someone's having a wedding somewhere else, I want to be able to afford to go. I want my friends to be able to afford to go. I, yeah. w- I want all of us to be able to fly out. Or if we're living in a certain suburb or whatever, I want it to be affordable that we can kind of meet up and spend time together. Like I always find it hard when, and this this is real. This happens a lot of people are able to relate. But like your friends might be like, let's go on holiday, and you're like, I can't afford it. Yeah, someone can't afford it, and, and you want them to be there because that being around that person makes you happy. But sometimes people are at different stages of their life that they, they have different means and and that's that's just a fact of life that will mm. always be the case but if you if you don't can win together yeah then it kind of helps you stay together as well speaking um, of speaking of win together um you've got like another um brand platform um we bet on black yes bet yeah. on black, bet no, on the, black. The, the, all, the, all the socials are we bet on black mm. the website is bet, bet on, on black, black. okay 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 yes. um so I took my first ever social media detox on the 22nd of May, which generally speaking is not a relevant date at all, (laughs) except on the 25th of May, George Floyd died. Mm. So what it meant was I was off social media for that entire duration. I came back. um, I I mean, I still see stuff. I still talk to my friends and stuff like that. I still Mm. watch the news. I was still, I was still relatively aware but I actually don't know, but I, I can only imagine what the climate was like on social media. And, and I loved seeing the power of the Black Lives Matter movement mm. and so many people speaking up and saying stuff. But I, I just got secondary kind of, I just got like the stuff that might get shared on WhatsApp or I might see on the news that there was a social media campaign or like the whole Blackout Tuesday thing. I wasn't around for that. Um, 
so there's so many things that I missed out on, but I decided I wanted to go to the protest, um, despite Corona and everything else. And, and I went, um, and that night, totally irrelevant, but my uncle um, called me and said that he thought it would be a great idea. And by the way, my uncle's never spoken to me about business before. Like, mm-hmm. I was like, why, why, why are you calling me? I was like, mom, is he calling for you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, he was like, I think someone should make a black business directory. And I was like, that's actually an amazing idea. Like, it will be amazing to have a directory that empowers black businesses and lets people kind of know what is available, what's out there, who's doing these amazing things. So I jumped online and I kind of searched in Google quickly and most of what came up were American platforms. Mm. There were a few UK ones. I couldn't really spot any that really stood out to me. And it's unfortunate because if I'm completely honest, I've actually come across a few that do exist that I think are really good platforms. Mm. Um, but I'm, I'm a very proactive person. So on that Saturday night on the protest, I think it was the eighth, was it the eighth? I, I'm not. I'm not certain of the date. I um. I started building uh, the Sunday. I started building the, the directory. Mm. I kept, I got the name Bet on Black. I, I took all the socials. We Bet on Black, and um, I started building the directory for black-owned businesses. And I launched it the day before my 30th birthday, on the 10th of June. Mm. And that was kind of like my return to social media. So hence how I launched it, kind of posting it on my platforms, and it has grown massively. Okay. Yeah. Put it into content, bro. Yeah, yeah. It's, when it's I was on the page, I said, well, the amount of followers when I first saw it compared to now, that growth is different. Bro, over over a thousand followers in 48 hours. Like, if I look now, since we've been on the phone to you, easily a hundred followers. Mm. It's, especially because of Black Pound Day, but it's just been, it's been so pro. Like, so many people have been shouting about it. Like, influencers that have, that I know that I have that I don't know like people are sharing it that don't even know it's me like and I'm like yo it's Matt by the way and they're like no way and mm, yeah it's it's crazy but the response has just been incredible and and the, the I think for me I did it because I felt like it was needed but as I've been doing it my passion's just been increased because every now and then I come across businesses that I'm just like this is dope the mm. world needs to know about this like I've come I've come across so like there's one there's a few there's a few that like I could talk about like. There's one called Mentivity, which is basically a, a mentoring and outreach scheme for young children that are dealing with identity issues or just general problems in their life. And this scheme is specifically set up. It's, it doesn't only apply for um, black and ethnic minorities, but they do um, specifically target those because it's run by um, black, black, black people. So there's that representation where it's like someone sitting down with you and saying, like, I've been through this. Mm. I've been there. And the scheme just looks incredible. And they've done a lot. And it's just like, why am I only finding out about this now? Like, I've got little cousins. I've got, like, one of my best friends, his 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 nephew has been, like, kind of up and down. And, you know what I mean? It's like he's, he's at the age where he's trying to figure out what he wants to do. And it's like a scheme like this would have been perfect for him. Word. Do you know what I mean? So... Um, it's amazing to see stuff like that. Even earlier when you were talking about like events and you are talking about people taking that level of creativity, there's there's one business on there that I, I can't stop shouting out about enough. It's called SoulCap. And it's such a simple concept, but it's just incredible. And basically they've specialized in creating swimming caps, but for people with locks or afros or long hips, swimming caps don't, aren't made for those. So you've got all these young black girls that want to swim that don't have anything that caters for them. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And it's kind of like, it's taken off because 
it's not just black people that need that. It's people with really long hair and there's white people with dreads. And do you know what I mean? It's, it's take, they've, they've sold over 30,000 units. Bomba. Do you know what I mean? Sorry. That's calm. Yeah, no. But, um, yeah, there's, there's, there's so many incredible things that I've discovered since creating a platform. Um, and I, I, I just think it's, it's, it's a really good time right now because a lot of people are talking about supporting the community. Um, and I think, I think a lot of people want to and I probably always wanted to, but there's just a level of awareness and understanding. Like, you can't support a black-owned business if you don't know it exists. Word. And I also think um, another thing is convenience. Like, if, if, like, all the black businesses, like, let's say, for example, if all the stuff that we consume, let's say there was a, a um, I don't know, like a a black owned um, page that's similar to YouTube that will have all the videos that we like on YouTube. We'll, we'll use that page. Like, uh, okay. Yes, yeah. That, if, if there was like a, a black owned supermarket that was in every corner, instead of a Tesco Express or Saints Express, we will go to that page. A lot of the stuff we do yeah. is purely out of convenience. And I think why I really, really like your platform is that you're making it convenient for us to engage with black businesses. You see what I'm saying? And I feel oh, like that, that's one of the things um, like with consumers, especially maybe in our generation, um, the micro generation, we just want things quick, fast, easy. But the fact that if there's a, like a directory where, especially now we have the vim, we now have the vim, the motivation, the energy to like um, support our own businesses. And we know if I go to this place, anything, what I need is almost definitely going to be there. It just makes the whole process a lot more palatable. Do you see what I'm saying? So I think that's why it's such an important um important platform that you're generating. I think that's also another reason why you're garnering support. Obviously, with with your sense of branding and touch, like you've branded it correctly, which obviously makes it more easier for people to to invest their time. The, so, the usability has gone a long way as well. A lot yeah. of people have said, I've seen a few black directories and this one has easily had the best interface. And, oh yeah, 100. Like, and one thing that was, oh, it was so annoying when I was actually starting it, but I wanted, I needed it to have a search function. Mm. I needed you, you to be able to write in Barber and all the barbers come up. I needed that mm. to work. And the original way that I was setting up the site was like a gallery. So I would list a picture related to an image and then have like the post title, which would be the the name of the company. And then you click it and it links and it takes you to the company. Mm. And that would have been the quickest way for me to create a site because all I really would have been doing is uploading one image per business, mm. their name and their link, right? Mm. But for some reason, the way the site worked, it can't pull that information from a gallery. So when you search, it doesn't do anything. If you put, um, for instance, uh, slider cuts, which is like a, a really well-known barbershop, um, as, as a gallery image, and then you t- you type in slider, it won't come up. Oh, annoying. It, it would only work if I made a blog post. So I've had to actually make a blog post for every single one of the 
are evident. And, and a lot of the things that we engage on a day-to-day basis, whether it be our favourite chocolate bar or listen to our favourite musician or, do you know what I mean, our, our favourite bands, there was a lot of hard work and effort paid and that's why we like it because the end result... 100%. You see what I'm saying? 100%. So... I, I I don't remember the units, but there's a post I follow, like investing pages on um on social media and whatnot. Mm. Like, also, this is a good tip for anyone listening. You can follow hashtags on on Instagram, right? If you follow hashtags like business, in, investing, motivation. Funny thing is, it doesn't even impact your followers, but you'll start getting all the posts that are hashtag with those things on your feed. Mm. And I follow those ones, and it, there's so much positive motivational content that comes out of it and one of them there's this post that always keeps on flagging up that says never forget coca-cola only sold and i think it was something like i don't i can't remember the number but i think it's like 25 bottles in its first year and, and now look like, if you if you think about that like coca-cola only so i don't know the exact number i kind of want to google it i'm not gonna lie because mm. it might it might have been like three thousand but <laughs> mm. but um it was it was definitely a um it was it was definitely a low amount I was literally just about to Google that. You beat me to it, so I can hear you typing away. I swear. Yeah, I can hear you typing away. So I let you, I let you rock. But that's that's the thing, bro. Like some like things are a process. That's that's one of the things I've realized over the last five years. Like things just don't happen overnight. All the things that we see, all the what we what we deem as successful, they all had a starting point where it wasn't all roses. Like nobody, it's very 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 unlikely people just blow overnight. It just doesn't happen like that. No, definitely. By the way, I kind of fact checked it. That's a fake stat. Oh, okay. Which is sad. But there's something positive to take from it. He only grossed. This was in 1886. You have to bear in mind inflation. Mm. Um, they sold an average of nine drinks per day. He grossed fifty dollars, but he still spent seventy-three dollars and ninety-six cents on advertising. He spent more on advertising than he made. Yeah. And that is what you can take from that instead. And that is a it kind of ties into what um to the name of your brand bet on black like he that he betted on himself do you see what i'm saying obviously you're losing money every day but look at the end result like i've i've as it stands i've spent over a grand on bet on black and and right now the platform doesn't even have a way to make money mm. there's i mean i definitely have plans for how to build the platform and make it bigger mm. but right now the sole purpose of the platform is just to generate awareness for these black businesses. There's no, there's no, um, I'm not selling anything myself. Um, I haven't set up any commission links or any advertising. Mm. Like I was like, people were like, oh, I was, as I was talking to people and I was like, how can I monetize it? Cause I'd love to make at least the money I put into it back. Right. Mm. Um, and I was like, I can't do Google ads. I can't have L'Oreal advertise on a site that's made for. Yeah. Words. <laughs> yeah. Words. Yeah. <laughs> you know that's I mean? nuts. I can't yeah, do that. I'm black and you'll see the Amber Cobbian fitch in the cut. Like, you know what I mean? So I, I, can't, I can't do Google ads or, or use a, use a platform like that that just kind of places adverts on my, on my page. Um, so yeah, it's, it's little things like that. And it's just like, if, if you want to be authentic, sometimes you've got to be like, okay, well, I'm not going to make my money back on this anytime soon, but I'm doing it for the right reasons. And and and, and also, if I'm completely honest, I have, I'm a workaholic. And for the first time in 10 years, I've had nothing to do. Okay, I yeah. Do I can't organize events. I've, I've, that's why I've, all I've been doing is training. You, you see, I've built my own home gym and everything like that. But um, yeah, so like this coming along, although it's been like, 10, 12 hours a day I've been spending on this site, it's giving me purpose again. And I, and I, I appreciate that. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's been good, man. 
Okay, um, speak to your... Quick, let's talk about the, the home gym. I'm actually so jealous of you people with your home gyms, you know? Like, because I can't... I try to work out home, failed. I go for a run sometimes. I'm like, oh, it's boring. Like, I have to either play a sport or actually be in the gym to work out. So, you, have you been working out... Have you worked out every day? Not every day. I do... I do... Same as my old training. I haven't really changed. The only difference is now I've bought all the equipment. To, not all the equipment, but most equipment to do mm. at home. So, I do three days on, one day off. So, I take my rest day every fourth day. Okay. So my training schedule is never actually the same because it's eight, it's six days on out of every eight days. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, so I kind of maintain that schedule. Um, but yeah, no, I bought I bought a, a crap load, man. I've I've spent well over. I've I've spent money. <laughs> not gonna lie. I put flooring in. I put like a full size mirror in the garage. Oh, I sick. Bought, uh, a boxing post, standing boxing post. Um, I bought this um, rack. So it's changeable. So you can push it to the top and do squats. You can use it for military press. You can oh, use it for wavy. bench press. You can pull it out. It's got adjustable um, like put-ins, or I don't know what they're called, but like posts. So you can take out the rack and then put in um, dip bars on the oh, same rack. Okay. Dips on it as well. Um, I've got uh, resistance bands. I've got like a hundred. I've got up to 140 kg, including the the bar with plates. The bar and plates. Oh, so, so you got enough. Bar, you got enough to get plates, busy. Twenty-five kg dumbbells, sixteen kg dumbbells, uh, two, four, six, eight kg dumbbells. Tons of stuff, man. All, all the belts, dip belts, uh, arm crusher. Uh, yeah, a lot, a lot. It's been, well, it's been you, good. you went in. Even, I even a yoga ball. Oh man, you've got your. I thought Tays went in. You went in, in like you, <laughs> man. You actually have a whole gym in your house. So, are you gonna go back to the gym? Hundred percent. I can't wait. Oh so I've I've been I've been staying at my um I came back to my mum's mom lives alone. I didn't want her to be alone during mm. lockdown. So I built that gym in her garage. Mm. But as soon as my local gym back at my house opens again, I'll go back home. Okay, yeah, okay, that makes sense. That it's makes still sense. not the same. I mean, as sick as this setup is, it does not compare to like a crap gym. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But it, it gives me everything I need to do most of the training. The hardest thing is legs. Because if you think about it, most leg exercises, you need machines. Yeah. You, so I've, I've had to get really creative with the exercises I use to train my legs. But it's, it's been good. I've, I've, been, I've, been, I've been all right. It's been, it's been good. All right, cool. Even, even on that topic, I know Taser kind of briefly mentioned mm. this, but I think it's so innovative the way that people have, um, PTs have started subscription schemes during lockdown. Yeah. There's, there's no way you could earn that money as a PT normally. Like, we're talking about six figures a month. That's mad. Like, if you're a PT, eat, like, the PTs that I've come across charge between, like, 40 to 80 pounds an hour, right? Mm. And they're definitely PTs that charge more than that. But, I mean, if you're talking about the average kind of price, that's, mm. that's kind of what you're talking about, right? Whereas to get six figures in a month, you'd have to charge, like, think about it. If you charged a bag an hour, I mean, how much is that? You're working for 12 hours a day. You could maybe make around 10 racks. Yeah you would have to charge that amount to match what they're making through their subscription schemes. It's crazy, but it's, it's incredible. And I love to see that kind of innovation within a crisis. Yeah, I was about to say, um, I was about to run off, um, run off the, uh, uh, just with how, what the impact is going to have on your, on, let's say the future of your platforms. You've got various different platforms and what creativity inspired. Well, obviously it inspired um, Bet on Black, but um, how do you see um, the impact of COVID on your future um and your future ventures and stuff like that. So in, in an immediate sense, um, 
like the stuff that I'm planning, like I've literally just agreed a date today actually. So we'll be announcing an event probably tonight. So oh yeah, nice little promo. But okay. check Faded's page. That's um we'll, we'll be announcing an event to, uh, tonight. Well, I don't know when this is coming out. It will, it will be announced by the time this comes out. Um, but we're going to have to focus on, on on a different kind of scheme. So we, we can't be throwing parties. So we are going to do um, more of like a chilled game style event. The capacity of the venue is dramatically reduced. We'll have to sell tickets in groups. Mm. Um, well, we don't have to, but that, my, my idea is to sell tickets in groups. So you book your group. So you come with your group, you stay with your group, you kind of whatever. Then we'll have to like implement one-way systems to use the bar or have everything brought to you at your table, or your area, stuff like that. So in, on an immediate front, we'll, there won't be any parties or club nights, but there'll be more brunches, more game style events, more kind of chill out kind of vibe stuff. So like our old old school Sundays or our bad brunch, our bad brunch which we already have. Um, then I'm hoping later in the year, maybe by like October, we'll be able to do parties again. Mm. Um, I do think once we are able to kind of really go for it, there'll be a surge because people will have missed it. And I think we'll be able to, I don't think we'll ever make back the money we would have missed in this time, but I think we'll have a really good first, like two, three months. Once yeah. Parties are kind of like back at it again. Um, I think in the long run, I think, I think it will go back to normality. I mean, I, I rely on it for pretty much all of my businesses because managing a venue, I haven't been able to pull my salary from that because I, that's just been shut down and yeah. I, I don't I, I invoice so I can't I can't get a salary from it faded luck, faded in the night of luckily um, they're limited company so I've, I've been able to claim furlough um, the band that I manage with the girl we've got all these weddings they've been moved um, I mean luckily we take deposits so we'll still they'll either we'll either keep the deposit or they'll have to just rearrange the booking mm. um, but we do a lot of function gigs uh, like corporates and weddings and stuff like that Um yeah, it's just, it's very different for the event scene. I think a lot of venues are going to close down. They're going to be forced to. Yeah, 100%. I've seen, so, I've seen so many buildings going on sale. I don't know whether some multi-millionaire is going to come in and snatch all the deals and maybe start a new brand of clubs. We'll see. Yeah, it's true. But, um, There's going to be sharks in the water, boy. Definitely. Like, this this is an amazing time to look into property. Um, that's definitely where my head's been um, in looking at the, the idea of getting a, uh, an investment property to, to rent out. Um because so many people are defaulting on their mortgages and it's like, I mean, they're sad, but you've got to take advantage of the situation. Um, there's there's a lot of good properties going up for auction. So for any first-time buyers that might be willing to consider like a little bit a little bit more of a fixer-upper, might be a great opportunity for you to, to look out for auctions or even just to, just to look on the market. I think property prices, are they're either going to stay stagnant or dip, but they're not going up. They're not going up anytime soon. Um, so... Yeah, that's you just got to try and think of the positives. You got to think, well, what what can I what can I get out of this that that does make sense? Yeah, for real, man. I yeah. think also, where where can um uh, my listeners find your page, um, faded, and all of the other about bet and black etc. Where can we find? Uh, well, bet on black, bet on black, code UK, uh, faded, um, go get faded dot. No, we changed it. Fadedevents.com. Nice and simple. Yeah. Um, myself, Matt Bridgman UK, uh, Bridgman like crossing over a bridge and then a man <laughs> the amount of times I have to say that on phone calls to like companies um, so Matt Bridgman UK that's on Twitter Instagram whatever and to be completely honest if you find me you'll be able to find all, all everything I do in my bio so okay yeah, cool alright cool Matt thank, uh, thanks for your time bro. that was a very good conversation I think love that, bro yeah there was, there was a lot thank of uh, teachable moments and I hope 
people enjoy this listeners please make sure you share this just especially uh, bet on black is on ig i'm going to post the links inside my inside the description of this podcast anyway it's on your spotify whatever platform you're using you can just it's, click oh, on a uh, quick quick one for any black owned businesses that were listening to this um i know you're all going to want to dm me uh, say get your business up there's a work with us section on the website so jump on betonblack.co.uk click work with us fill out the form and that gives us all the information we actually need to set up your listing because telling me that you run a business is great but that still doesn't give me what I need to actually add you to the site okay cool so guys please and find Disunomics on the, on the website by the way oh yeah love for that come on my yes, guy definitely. but yeah make sure you guys please don't come and bombard these DMs because you're just making life long it, the, the, the sooner you follow the protocol the quicker your platform you'll be put on the platform um, to, yeah to, so to put it into context we did a post saying um, tag black owned businesses I was like okay yeah maybe they'll tag like 50 or 100 businesses will get tagged and that will help me find some new businesses bro 850 people <laughs> have commented that's not businesses because most of them like three or four businesses per person. Mm. I that's I I don't even know where to start. <laughs> and the thing is, I, I can't start because people are still tagging names. Yeah, it's still going. That so is like, bad. It's still going. It's this was over a week ago. But but I, I have to say it's amazing that people are doing it and that there are so many businesses but, out there. Hey, your director is yeah. gonna be mad by the end of the year. I do hope so, man. I nah, hope so. I yeah, that's 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 another thing I was gonna say. Black Pound Day is today. I mean it won't be when this comes out. And I think it's an amazing concept. I spoke to Swiss last week mm. um, and congratulations to him for, for putting the initiative together. I know he plans... I don't I don't know the exact specifics. I haven't spoken to him since. Mm. I think he's trying to make it a monthly thing. So I don't know if it's the last Saturday of every month or how he's doing it or whether it's... or, or how it's going to work. Um, but what I do want is for this energy to continue. I yeah, don't want yeah. it to die today. I want people... I'm not saying only... This, this is another thing I just want to say. Sorry, I know we should have wrapped up ages ago. No, I can't. I'm doing things. Bet on black isn't me saying you have to spend black. You, you, or you should feel bad if you don't or that you shouldn't be able to shop at Nike or buy an Apple Watch or have a Mac. Like I do, I have all of these things. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it's, it, I, I do it. And what it's saying is there are things that you're probably spending your money on, whether they're services or products that you can get from a black owned business. And it might be just as good or better. Mm. But the whole point of this is the awareness. It's the option. It's the, do you know what? Let me try them this time. Mm. If I like it, cool. If I don't, I'll go back to the one that I was already doing. No harm done. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, And for me, that, that is is really the aim of it, but not not just once. I mean, you can do it just once is better than zero. You know what I mean? You do it one time is better than none. But hopefully, this is something that people kind of decide to do because it's it's just it's a self enough community. One hundred percent, man. One hundred percent for real, for real. We got a bet on black for real, thank Matt. You, man. Thank you for your time. I know now you can go and do your 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 training. Oh my workout. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm, you, I'm you man are working out like you're going to fight a war, like. With your with chest, chest and triceps today. Me, I'm about to go eat Haggadah, so that, that shows, <laughs> that, that shows <laughs> the difference. That shows the difference. But, bro, thank you for that, man. I appreciate your no, time. No. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast if you're watch if you're listening to this on I think Apple Podcasts. Follow on SoundCloud and Spotify, and if you're on them Android Bookie platforms, I don't know them, but I'm I'm a party everywhere. Thank you. <laughs> tell a friend to tell a friend. Share, especially bet on black, and make sure once Corona is out of here, 
we're at Faded. I already told Taze, the first Faded, I'm coming to Faded, I'm going to be pouring alcohol into my eyelids. I, and I'm over a drink. 8th of August. Eight but that's, August. that's not going to be the party. Yeah, but... but that's, that's, going to be, that's going to be the event that we're, we're going to announce. I'm um, there. By the time this is up. I am there. I am I there. Do. Everyone, I listen, because, bro, listen. Tell, tell me, let, me, let me know what you drink. I'll have a double wing Listen. I won't run out. I'm not even. I'm not even picky. I just need to be. And I'm not even out there like that. But this Corona, nah, we've just been under so much stress and pressure. The fact that we've made it, like, nah, we need to celebrate. But bro, blessings, love, and Thank have a fantastic weekend. Safe. Sports Social Podcast Network.